Hello everybody, my name is Ray. Welcome to the Evangelical Dark Web. Today, we have a long overdue topic to discuss, and that is Vodibachum versus The Chosen. Is The Chosen a second commandment violation? That is the question we're going to be exploring in this video. And we're going to take a look at the historical debate, because the historical debate really frames Vodibachum's position. And then we're also going to you know, apply the historical debate. We're going to apply both sides of the historical debate to answer this question. Now, many of you know that I'm a chosen skeptic. I am not a fan of the C TV series. I do not think it is a biblically faithful adaptation of scripture, and I don't even think it is a good TV show. If we are judging it on the merits of a TV show, it is not a good TV show. I think that's pretty important to specify. So anyway, we're going to be taking a look at a foundational reason that people dismiss the chosen and examining it. And that's going to be the subject in this video. But first, I will let you know, Evangelical Dark Web is a Christian news gathering and commentary ministry. You can support us over at evangelicaldarkweb.org slash join. That is linked in the description below. This gives you more access to more content. I've been writing even more exclusive articles for... Uh, subscribers here at our Patreon-like system. And you can also sign up for our free Evangelical Dark Web newsletter. But the least you can do is like this video, subscribe to the channel or podcast if you are new. We'd appreciate that. It helps out with the algorithms. So uh, we're going to first start out uh, looking at this clip from Vody Bakum where he discusses this issue on the Babylon Bee podcast may recognize him <laughs> but there is uh, but glenn beck is really cool because he went he got behind all these christians uh to do this thing yeah you know and that was this combination of people i mean chuck and carrie the two main guys they're catholics and the you know obviously glenn's a mormon and then you have you know steve dace who's an evangelical and yeah and uh so really really a good combination of people the same thing with the chosen and that kind of stuff so just to give some background as to what they're talking about, they are talking about the movie Nefarious, which we've done a review for on this channel. I thought it was a good movie, minus the fact that Glenn Beck was in it. He was a drain on the entire film. Um, that's a pretty strong stance, but uh, that's what I believe about the movie itself. Um, anyway, I, I think I agree with you, and I think that's something that we need to remind ourselves of. But see, that's it. important. See, that's a that's another deal. You asked me about my line. You you said yeah. the chosen. That's a line you that's draw. A, that's a line I draw. Yeah. Have you seen the chosen? Have you no. watched it? Yeah. I'm two watching. CV man. Second two CV. Violation. Oh, okay. Yeah. You're a two no CV four guy. CV. Yeah. Gotcha. No two CV. Yeah. Gotcha. So you okay. know. Gotcha. So yeah, I do that again. You asked about my lines. That's yeah, one that's of my lines. Line. You know, um, and that 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 that, that series Train there. Jesus as. Idolatry or portraying Jesus as yeah, a, portraying a Jesus as idolatry and yeah. and then you know I get some of the yeah yeah some, yeah. Speaking of sure. speaking of folks not being muzzled, when Pastor John went on with Ben Shapiro for the so that I guess is the money clip for uh, Vody Bakum in the Chosen. He pretty much came down said it's a second commandment violation. Second commandment, which we'll read in a second. Uh, Talks about making images, graven images. Graven, graven images is considered idolatry under the Second Commandment. So let us go into the article discussing uh, Vody Bakum versus Dallas Jenkins and the Chosen 
Does the Chosen Violate the Second Commandment? This is written by Anthony, who joins us frequently on the live streams. We're going to be using his article. I especially like his article. Uh, I thought this was suited for him to go into as a topic, and I think he did a really good job bringing the historical uh, debate to life on this application. And he also tries to frame the chosen and juxtapose the chosen with the passion of the Christ, Mel Gibson's the passion of the Christ. So it's an interesting little nuance and you know, I, I like to take, uh, so, you know, I've edited it and we're going to publish this as well. So, um, for all the controversy, so it, it starts out, the article starts out by describing the video and like I said, uh, or like Vody Bakum said, he is not a fan. So, uh, the commentary on the chosen is almost in passing and packaged in an abbreviated playful wording that apparently made the rounds on the internet, drawing a response from Dallas Jenkins. So Dallas Jenkins saw this clip and fires back on Facebook because that seems to be his main mode of communication. Uh, he says, I love Vody Bakum. But I think this take is misapplied. The second commandment is clearly referring to objects of worship and most likely specifically objects of worship that complete that compete with God. This is exactly what the, the second commandment states. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down or to, to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on, on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Pastor Bauckham's logic is that because the movie... Because a movie or show portraying Christ is showing someone who comes from hev heaven, then it is idolatrous. Or because it's, it's the portrayal of God, an image of God, it's idolatrous. It, but, it is, but it's not the portrayal or the image itself that is the issue. If it was, then the verse says anything on earth or even under the water would be wrong to portray. It's clearly the worship of it. Because God is a jealous God and wants his followers to put him first over any idol, which of course I agree with. But no one is worshiping the TV screen. We're not claiming the show is the Bible or Jonathan is actually Jesus. And no one believes the portrayal is an object of worship or anything other than another way to illustrate the point uh, and point people to truth. On no conceivable level does the chosen compare to the gods and idols and images the Israelites were potentially worshiping to compete with God. Now, the last part's somewhat true, but it's also somewhat a, uh, a straw man. Uh, I mean, I find several problems with his, uh, his statement as it is. You know, the idea that people don't say, I picture Jonathan Rumi when I think about Jesus, he, like, there's a lot of people who have said that after watching The Chosen. I mean, so I think the statement by Dallas Jenkins has some serious glaring issues with it. But let's dive in, dive into it as well. Um, 
In his Facebook in the his Facebook response, Dallas Jenkins rests his case on the presumption that his viewers do not worship Jonathan Rumi's portrayal of Jesus on TV. So thus it is not idolatry. His emphasis on is on the worship aspect, not the object. To his rare credit, rather than mudding the waters, he articulates a theological statement with clarity. So that's like a backhanded compliment. <laughs> I like it. John Jenkins also links an article to on church leaders, which recaps the conversation on the Babylon Bee while applying John Piper's favorable theological analysis. For obvious reasons, J Jenkins' followers were supportive of his rebuttal. So, and he's highlighted some of the more problematic uh, instances of the responses. Uh, if the chosen is idolatrous, so is every movie made about Jesus, including the Passion, uh, the Jesus film, and, you know, basically other things, as well as here in Hot Springs, Sight and Sound Theaters. Uh, so, yes, I think there are broad implications if you take this position on the second commandment that Vody Bakum articulates. The most engaged comment calls Bakum's application of, of scripture ex extreme and unnecessary, while others contend that the show moved them spiritually. Though not featured above, a personal favorite was a comment from a woman claiming that while she's not a theologian, she, she is really surprised that Vodi, with th such theological intellect, would interpret this verse like that. While there was not a reaction of Bakum hate, there was disagreement and, and a sentiment that Bakum is inciting needless division. Whether Bakum would extend the second commandment to sight and sound uh, portraying King David or Esther, neither of which would require a depiction of God, is unstated in his interview. So let's talk about the Protestant Reformation and how that impacted this debate. For the woman who was su surprised how a, theological, uh, how a theologian of great intellect could arrive at Bakum's conclusion, it is rather, rather simple and really highlights the historical and theological ignorance of the American church. Throughout church history, depictions of Christ have been an ongoing debate. Churchgoers who attend presumably non-Roman Catholic churches will likely notice the absence of a crucifix at their churches, instead seeing, hopefully, a barren cross. The lack of crucifixes in modern Protestant churches is a direct result of the Protestant Reformation's rebuke of graven images and depictions of Christ's body being within the confines of the church. This is part of the, of the iconoclasm debate, which has persisted for a, a millennium. During the Protestant Reformation, there arose iconoclasts who sought to destroy these images. Most of the Protestant reformers would be in agreement with Vody Bauckham. So, uh, here's a quote from John Calvin from the Institutes of the Christian Religion. We think it is unlawful to give a visible shape to God because God himself has forbidden it, and because it cannot be done without in some degree tarnishing his glory. The only things, therefore, which ought to be painted or sculpted are things which can be, can be presented to the eye, the majesty of God, which is far beyond the reach of any eye, must not be dishonored 
by an by unbecoming representations. Visible representations are of two classes. Historical, which presents or which gives a representation of events, and pictorial, which merely exhibit bodily shapes and figures. The former um, are some of the use are of some use for instruction in admoni admonition. The latter so far as I can see, are only fitted for amusement. Hence, we may infer that the exhibition was not the result of judicious selection, but foolish and inconsiderate longing. I say nothing as to the improper and unbecoming form in which they are presented, or the wanton license in which the sculptors and painters have, have here indulged. So that's from John Calvin, Institutes of the Christian Religion. Calvin asserts that depictions of Christ inherently tarnish his glory. Therefore, are, they, are unbecoming, uh, they are unbecoming. Though he gives some leeway towards depictions of historical events, meaning biblical text, images of Christ are indulgent and reflect judicious selection, which is inconsiderate and foolish. Even if John Calvin would approve of a faithful historical portrayal of Christ, the creative license of Dallas Jenkins testifies against him regarding whether the chosen is a graven image and would certainly be classified by Calvin's teachings as an unbecoming representation for the purpose of amusement due to its pictorial liberties. So I'm going to take a sip here. Westminster Larger Catechism. So this is from 1647. Emphasis has been added. What are the sins forbidden in the second commandment? The sins forbidden in the second commandment are all devising, counseling, commanding, using, and in, and any wise approving any religious worship not instituted by God himself. The making any representation of God of all or of any of the three persons, either inwardly in our mind or outwardly in any kind of image or likeness of any creature whatsoever, all worshiping of it, or God in it or by it, the making of any representation of feigned deities and all worship of them or service belonging to them, all superstitious devices corrupting the worship of God, adding to it or taking from it, whether invented and taken up ourselves or received by tradition from others through, though under the title of antiquity, custom, devotion, good intent, or any other pretense whatsoever, simony, sacrilege, all neglect, contempt, hindering and opposing the worship and ordinances which God hath appointed. So it's from the Westminster Larger Catechism. The Westminster Larger Catechism, which was created in tandem with the Westminster Confession, is stricter than Calvin's Institutes regarding depictions of Christ as sinful, even extending it to depictions of other false deities like those of Greco-Roman origin. Theoretically, this is the advanced version of doctrine which 
should be espoused by members of the PCA and most other Presbyterian denominations, though it is common it is a common exception for pastors under the Westminster Confession. Here's a quote from Augustine. Thus they erred, who sought Christ and his apostles, not in the sacred writings, but on painted walls. A major influence of the Reformation, Augustine applies sacred images to even the apostles, condemning the substitution of scripture with depictions. Augustine clearly critiques the use of artwork over sacred texts within the church. And I think over means to the exclusion of or in lieu of, not necessarily in addition to. Here's a quote from Francis Turretin uh, and his work, Institutes of Electic Theology. That's a new word for me. Um, any religious worship should not be paid to images thinking piously before an image is forbidden. We condemn here the treatment of sacred or religious images that are supposed to contribute something to the excitement of religious feeling. God forbids the making of them and the worship of them. Turretin would hold that the if if the image stirs to religious excitement, it is therefore sinful, which is the reaction many viewers have regarding the show's portrayal of Jesus. To them, the show quickly becomes a sacred cow, and criticisms against it are deemed as attacks and antithetical to Christianity. The fans become emotionally attached to the show, making it idolatrous. As noted in the Evangelicals Dark Web's episodic reviews of The Chosen, its merits as a TV show are below average. Therefore, devotion to the show is best explained as idolatrous. So, you know, again, that, that's just a statement of my reviews series on The Chosen. And yes, the only explanation that makes sense is that this is idolatrous because it's not a good TV show. So... And maybe I'm a little snobby about that, but I've watched average shows that are way better than The Chosen. So, um, it, it must be said. For a more exhaustive breakdown, Dr. C. Matthew McMahon at A, Puritan Mo a Puritan's Mind gives a detailed exposition on the history of this subject. Vody Bauckham is in agreement with the majority of the Protestant reformers and simply a survey of church history would find much historical agreement with them, with him. So now let's talk about the other side. That is Martin Luther, in fact. The instigator of the, of the Protestant Reformation would differ from the above reformers, with Turton in his work responding to the Lutherans. So here's a quote from the Book of Concord, 1580. Thus, it is with all idolatry, for it consists not merely in erecting an image and worshipping it, but rather in the heart which stands gaping at something else, and seeks help and consolation from creatures, saints, or devils, and neither cares for God nor looks to him for so much good as to believe that he is willing to help, neither believes that whatever good it experiences comes from God. 
the Luther larger catechism would distinguish between the image and the worship of the image, stating that the latter, which makes the former sinful, not the image itself. Martin Luther writes in Against the Heavenly Prophets, Now I say this to keep the conscience free from mischievous laws and fictitious sins, and not because I would defend images, nor would I condemn those who have destroyed them, especially those who destroy divine and idolatrous images, but images for the for memorial and witnesses and witness, such as crucifixes and images of saints, are to be tolerated. So that's Martin Luther's position. Luther was not an iconoclast as his contemporary reformers were, and his tolerance of crucifixes and other depictions is consistent with Lutheran practice to this day. However, it should be noted that this is not a blanket statement on that all depictions are permissible, but only those of memorial and witness. It's worth noting here, because I don't believe the article does, that the Lutheran Church has a different order for the commandments, and I don't... So, they combine the first and second commandment, as most other Protestants would understand them, and they expand the tenth commandment into two parts, I believe. So, just a little background on the Lutheran Church. The best case for Luther's position and the permissibility to portray Christ Im is Christ in imagery is one that Luther himself makes that the command of God to the Israelites to erect the bronze serpent, that's from Numbers 21, would constitute an image that was created yet not to be worshipped. This image directly points to Christ, as expressed in John 3, that just as the serpent was lifted up, so too the Son of Man. However, when the bronze serpent became a became worshipped, as stated in 2 Kings 18, King Hezekiah destroyed it. If Luther is correct, then there is some permissibility in depictions of Christ, yet this exegesis is often lacking in defenders of the chosen. Many contemporary heroes like R.C. Sproul would side with Luther. Sproul emphasizes the detailed depictions found in scripture regarding the temple, tabernacle, and mercy seat as being images that were commanded by God. He would also he also said the second commandment prohibits the making of graven images for the purpose of worshiping them. Worshiping the image. Ligonier Ministries uses the burning bush as its logo. However, Sproul would not condone depictions of the would not condone depictions of the Father. John MacArthur's commentaries on Exodus 20 echo a similar sentiment to Sproul. For those who have espoused favorable stances towards depictions, they maintain that there are regulations. So now let's talk about the Chosen versus the Passion. The debate over the Chosen violating the Second Commandment would also extend to all depictions of Christ, including the Passion of the Christ, the most successful independent film of all time. The view of most reformers would be that would be a proscri proscription against any depiction of Christ 
in film or other media, which would rebuke both. Um, under Luther's theology, which implicitly, which implicitly is held by most American Christians, there is some permissibility assuming Luther's premise. The question then becomes one of memorial and witness, which co coincides with Calvin's historical class of images. So you remember Calvin talked about historical and pictorial. Um, so memorial and witness would co uh, would be categorically similar to memorial and witness. Uh, because it cannot be denied that unfaithful portrayals like that seen in Christian Bale's Exodus, Gods and Kings, the 2014 movie, which depicted the Lord as a child, are tolerable. Or the question is whether these same standards of historical memorial or witness apply to images of Christ. So, like I said, or, you know, like most Protestants would agree, the second commandment was violated by Christian Bale's movie because it portrayed God the Father as a child. Or we can look at the shack, which portrays um, God the Father as Aunt Jemima. The Passion holds closely to the Gospel accounts of the crucifixion with Caviezel's Jesus enduring the torture, trials, and the eventual death on the cross. The primary deviation is, is, is the tame amount of Catholic Mariolatry. Now, even the Catholic Mariolatry, which is an emphasis on Mary that the film has, uh, there's like an extra biblical scene of Jesus and Mary uh, where Jesus is still a carpenter and he's making a table. Uh, it shows a moment between him and Mary. That That's kind of as far... As the, as the Passion of the Christ really strays. Though the depiction is mainly historical rather than pictorial, under Calvin's classification, the depiction of Christ by Caviezel tarnishes his glory, albeit displaying the events of Christ's suffering and humiliation. In favor of the Passion, it cannot be stated that people worship the film. Like, no one's actually worshiping the Passion of the Christ, and there are barriers to worship created within the film, namely that of the Aramaic language spoken throughout and the semi-undepicted resurrect, resurrected Savior. The former inhibits the heart from worshiping Caviezel's Jesus through, through the barrier of language, while the latter demonstrates the restraint in portraying his resurrected glory. So they don't portray Jesus in his glory, in his glorified body and glorified state, they portray Jesus in his human incarnation that has not yet been glorified. So I think that is an important nuance. The other element is that is the brutality depicted in the film is disconcerting to the to many viewers with weaker stomachs, and the film is intentionally uncomfortable to watch. Therefore, therefore, further deterring worship of a depicted Christ. While this might not satisfy the doctrines of the Reformers, the reverence towards the source material would be in compliance with Luther and Sproul regarding depictions of Christ that is clearly distinguished from that in, of the Chosen. The episodic format of a TV show makes difficult the creation of a faithful adaptation 
that is not stretched out by extra-biblical details. Dallas Jenkins' doctrine on plausibility regarding biblical text permits him to take artistic liberties that amount to hubris and folly that denotes underlying an underlying irreverence towards the source material, which is the inspired word. The, this transforms the chosen from being historical to pictorial, pictorial as Jenkins is imposing his version slash image of Christ along with the biblical text on the screen. Portraying Christ as uttering, the Mormon, uttering a Mormon I am statement that is absent in the biblical canon imprints this dialogue of Christ into the minds of viewers as being authentic, probably also in violation of the third commandment given this, the implications. An autistic Matthew is pictorial, pictorial, not historical. The imagined relationship drama between Thomas and his girlfriend that reflect modern dynamics is pictorial, not historical. The emphasis on Mary Magdalene is pictorial, not historical. Further condemning Dallas Jenkins is his tolerance and defense of the homosexual pride flags on his sets and in his promotional materials, and the fact that The Chosen is funded by a religious ministry, which Christians were encouraged to donate to this shady charitable organization. These background circumstances inhibit the value of their witness while demonstrating the lack of conviction on set. Truly, under a Lutheran standard, the affinity for The Chosen, despite its overwhelming scandals, is tantamount to worship from its viewers who refuse to relinquish their idolatry in face of rampant sin. It's also, it also should be said that it di the additions by Jenkins are neither memorial nor fruitful for witnessing. So, even if Vody Bauckham is incorrect regarding all depictions of Christ, the Chosen is still in violation of the Second Commandment due to its artistic liberties tolerance of sin, and an irreverence towards both God's law and word. So here's our conclusion. The debate over depictions of both Christ and other biblical texts is a discussion that has been had over the millennium, for over a millennium and should not be ignored because there's a major, there are major spiritual implications for being wrong, particularly if one is favorable towards depictions. The real question is, whether there is a permissible standard that can apply to the image of Christ, the iconoclasts have an incredibly strong argument both from scripture and history, and should not be ignored due to modernity or historical indifference. It cannot be forgotten how prone humanity is towards the worship of images, which is not a phenomenon of ancient times, but an ongoing display of our sinful nature. Beyond Hollywood, there are broader implications towards the local church, both in its internal decorations and depictions of Christ throughout theatrical productions or nativity displays. Be there a matter uh, displays should be a matter of further discussions and deliberation as to whether these are in violation of the first table. Reverence towards the Lord must be paramount as you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
and with all your mind and or is the first and greatest commandment. So that is our rundown on this topic regarding the chosen and it's the second commandment violation. Um, hope you enjoyed this nuanced discussion of this debate that has been going on for several centuries uh, in which Vodi Bakum is on the historical majority, yet currently most people are probably leaning towards more the Martin Luther position or R.C. Sproul. So hope you enjoyed this video. Don't forget to like the video uh, and subscribe to the channel and podcast on your way out. Have a blessed day and we will catch you on the next one.